Yeah, that's a good thing. Okay, we started. <laughs> so we are here at uh, Tower Marketing after hours episode number five. Um, so today um, we have myself, Mike, and we have Kelly. Hi. We have Mike Shaw, Hello. a returning uh, guest, and we have a new guest, uh, Bridget, who's our um, one of our newest uh, content people. Hello. So we um, are going to talk about what's been happening in the internet marketing world. <laughs> and and it's obviously, hilarious. Shaw is thinking it's very funny already. <laughs> you didn't know what she did. You were like, don't get too far away from the, the microphone. He forgot what she did. I'm sorry, and that made me laugh. No, no, no. I didn't want to. I didn't want to do like uh, official sounding titles, which this is all supposed to be very casual. So anyway, so Kelly was going to start with. I am going to start. Awesome. I'm going to start. I'm going to get us Please because do. we really just fell flat right. on our face I'm right write off this the bat. Ship. Thanks, Mike Shaw. All right. Can't see, see. Ashley had the giggles last time, and now it's going to be you. There's always know, one. Yeah, always yeah one. you're trying. Look, if you are not going to take a podcast recorded in the conference room seriously, <laughs> I don't know what can be taken seriously. <laughs> There's so much green. All right. So much. So the topic that I'm bringing, I just stumbled across this um, just this morning, and I was inspired to bring it along. But it's an article that talks about um, famous brands that are making comebacks. Um you know, they might have lost um, some popularity. The brand might have lost some luster. Um, but now they are coming back and they're more popular than ever. And the ones that they mentioned um, that I really felt were um, good examples. Um, they talked about Converse sneakers. Um, they talked about Paps Blue Ribbon, which I thought was, you know, perfect. It came from like I nowhere. Didn't think that ever went away. Well, you that's know, that's what I thought when it I saw that. Totally reminds me of my dad, and I think he would be shocked to the core to know that like twenty-year-old like hipsters are now like his people. Is it because it's cheap? <laughs> um, probably. I, they talked about the fact that just you know young people now kind of want to push away like big flashy brands, mm. and that's kind of how they landed on Paps Blue Ribbon. The other one that I thought definitely, you know, is kind of making a comeback with younger people, you know, they talked about Old Spice, which I think was totally like, you know, a grandpa type thing. Absolutely. And now it has some of the most like twisted, crazy yeah. marketing campaigns. Terry, Terry Crews that thing alive. Those like creepy moms who have like yeah. uh, just a weird attachment to their sons. So, you know, it talked about that. There were some others that I didn't even realize had gone out of fashion. Um, you know, they talk about Legos and they talk about Starbucks. Mm. They talk about Legos. Legos. Never, Mike is, never Mike is pulling a face. I am pulling a Both face. Both mics are pulling a face. Both mics are pulling a face. Um, the way they talked about it was that Legos um, went from like, you're totally using your imagination. Here are just blocks of different shapes and different colors go to these pre-packaged, like now you make a Star Wars ship and now you make a Batman car and that they have found that more and more the kids just want to go back to those like blue, red, yellow blocks and go from there. You're kidding. Yeah. I mean, they used to make it a point on the back of the box to show you all the different things you can do besides the thing on the front of the yes. box. Yes. Mm -hmm. But Did you follow those? 
I did. I followed them. See, the I T. would go and I collected them, and then I'd get different vehicles and different airplanes, and then I would build, build them together. Mega. A yeah. bigger version of yes. it, or a better one, because that one had the parts that I wanted, and that one had the colors that I wanted, and mesh them together. And I think that's where. Whereas now, See, that's when it's it, they're heavily branded. It's the it went from a toy to a collectible, and now it's going back to a toy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is which is kind of interesting. We're almost from like a toy to like a marketing tool, I and think I think it's maybe very, that's where they're heavily branded. Yeah, like after TV shows, I mean just the Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I mean, he- I mean that's what they're using to push it and. I kind of would like to see the creativity where you build your own thing from pretty much nothing. Well, I know that I have a seven-year-old, and he loves the things that are around Star Wars, and he does like the character or the the movie ones. But then just the other day, he was saying, like, I just don't have enough green ones. So, you know, I think he, too, just kind of wants those. Can you buy green ones? You can. I mean, they have the stores. Like, have you? Has anybody been into yeah, one of the, the Lego stores, stores? The Lego you can stores, buy a box like of all white, down in Disney. Yeah, you can just like scoop up like a bucket bunch full of, of like blacks cool. or greens, or you can buy like a bucket full of tires. Mm-hmm. So, you know, kind of going on what you were saying before, another brand at least that I thought of was J.C. Penney. Yes. I mean, when I was little, JCPenney was like, you just didn't go in there. It was like grungy. It was dark. Tacky. It was the, really? Yeah. If you go into the one in Park City Mall, yeah. I mean, it's vibrant. Mm-hmm. The stuff is, is pretty good. They I redid mean, their logo. They got, I mean, they sell like Calvin Klein and the logo is a whole other podcast. They have, um, <laughs> I mean, they have like a in-store Sephora, uh-huh. which is a mm-hmm. really great makeup but brand. But I still so. feel like they have not like overcome... When they rebranded themselves, like, what was it, like two or three years ago, and mm-hmm. everything did get all bright and splashy, yeah. I feel like I read somewhere that that was not really helping them. What they did was they got, they got rid of all, like, the discounts, and they mm-hmm. said, we're just going to lower our price. People didn't care. Yeah. People wanted those discounts that they could take in, and they could basically, you know, try and game the system, which I thought was really weird. But then I was just in a store not that long ago, and I thought they said that every day... They would be selling something for a penny, and you had to just go into the store and find what that sale was that day, and then you could get something for a penny. That seems like a lot of work. That does seem like a lot of work. (laughs) I mean, I haven't been around long enough to know JCPenney like you guys. I know you're pretty old and stuff, so I... Well, hey... This will be the last time that Shaw's on the podcast. I just thought the four of us are the oldest ones in the whole office. Yeah. Oh, look at that. This is the elder podcast. And we're screwing... Screwing. This is, um... Oh, I, I lost my word. Skewing. Skewing, Skewing. geriatric today. <laughs> <laughs> geriatric. We're so young, but though. I think JCPenney has just made a lot of mistakes. I know when I moved to the States, they online, they just... They got uh, hit by the big SEO fiasco uh, for, like, keyword yeah. stuffing. horrible yeah. things and li- horrible links. And the, they lost a lot of visibility, online presence that way. And so they were relying on their offline presence to carry them, which, you know, in a digital age isn't going to be too far. Yeah, and then she mentioned the logo fiasco. They Mm -hmm. redid their logo. It was awful. It was probably one of the worst-looking logos ever. And they just bailed on it and then went back to the original stuff. You can argue they did that for press. You know, they said no no press is bad press. Mm. 
Yeah, they're desperate. Seriously. And I'm sure they want to just is... put it all behind them, and here they are getting, like, dredged up on I know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, JCP. Hey, JCP, not our client. But seriously, if you go in there, go to, go to the mall, go to look at any of the department stores, and you'll be like, you know, JCPenney is one of the best ones. It's just, holding its own against... I, it just uh, looks modern. They took it out of the it. mall in York. I can't even... They did? Yeah. It's not at the York Gallery anymore. Oh, York. <laughs> oh, York. <laughs> oh, York. Well, one of the brands that I found that's making a comeback is Keds. Because mm. I saw Converse wow. in your article. And so it made me think of that. And I actually found an article from the New York Times from back in 1990 when it made a com- comeback then because it used to be popular in the 50s with the poodle skirts. Oh. Made a comeback then. Saddle shoes? No, Keds. No, well, I know, actual but Keds is a brand. Yeah. Similar, similar style con- uh, canvas sneakers. Okay. And um, and now they're really making a comeback again. And our intern wears a lot of kids. Is that not what she wears a lot? Of? Our intern Ashley does. Wears a lot and of Maddie, kids. our social yeah. media girl, just said that she bought a pair of kids. So Ashley, really, Ashley know they're cool. A lot of kids. Ashley does too. Yeah, making a comeback at Tower with all the young hip ladies. <laughs> That's all the folk don't wear such things. All the ladies don't wear such things. All right, Shaw, we're gonna pick your topic apart. Go ahead. Okay. Well. In October, well, late October 2015, Google announced through a press release that they released some sort of algorithm extension, which would pretty much rock our world. They said it was the third most important uh, factor in determining the results on a page, and they called it Rank Brain. Um, The reason why I'm bringing it up now, I mean several months later is because people still don't know what it is and that is Google included John Mueller Gary Isles these are the people that um, are pretty much the face of Google for the community they have tried to explain it and they're they're just giving yes and no answers they've tried to explain it and we just get spun in circles but from what we can gather it's meant to be something that can interpret long tail words and give you results even if it's not the words that you used it's able to use this artificial intelligence to bring better results to the query that you asked this isn't the first time we've heard of rank brain i mean it's been swirling out there for a long time well i mean why is it relevant again now the reason why it's relevant again now is because well when i started at Tower, that was in 2014, they just released Hummingbird. Mm -hmm. And so speculation is that this is just Hummingbird on steroids. steroids. And it's Hummingbird was the biggest uh, algorithm change to Google since 2001, and now they've just gone and revamped it again. Hummingbird? Uh, Well, rank brain. And... So RankBrain isn't an algorithm, it's just a piece of the algorithm that's playing a rather large part, and it's learning, and it's learning. So right now... And it's rewarding, if I understand you correctly, it's rewarding sites that use a lot of long-tail words in their content? Um, Not necessarily. It's more to be with the... uh, It's the fact that we are asking more specific questions, and so... I think Google, they have like something like 3 billion search queries a day coming through. And they said between 20 
and 25% of those search queries, they had no idea what to give. So they were like, we need to develop something that can think for itself, work for itself, and isn't necessarily influenced by human engineers trying to figure out what this is. So it can carry on learning, and we've got other humans on the other side of the algorithm fixing it up. And I guess what they're trying to do is, yeah, they're trying to, people are typing in long phrases like, who was the fourth president of uh, Uzbekistan? Has Uzbekistan had four presidents? <laughs> Does Uzbekistan have a president? A president, you know. And, and it, it, it can go and pull things from knowledge graph, associate people with it, information, and, and really start digging deeper instead of, I think, where Google may have just gone and said to you, the president of Uzbekistan is... Mm-hmm. This and this and this. Whereas now it's getting a lot more specific, a lot more detailed, and it's trying to give better information. It's not there yet. It's still I learning. I challenge the hell out of Google. I mean, sometimes my search queries are like, boom. <laughs> I mean, just really long because I want something specific. Absolutely. Like, to, you know, I was looking for a passport. I'm like, where do I go to renew a passport in Lancaster, Pennsylvania? That's exactly mm-hmm. the I type mean, of thing. And you couldn't get that? You know what? There's a lot of paid stuff out there, but I wanted to try and get to like a post office yeah. website. How many like people that. do you think are using that exact type of search? Only a lot. That long? I don't In Lancaster, so. Pennsylvania. Well, I don't know. I mean, we know That's search a little mean. bit better, it's, so it, we're challenging I know it's, it. it's twisting, but this is what they're trying to give you on the dot information, and this is where they're they're just it's it's using historical data, and it's just relearning and regurgitating the stuff and trying to learn what other words mean and I mean it's a very big endeavor is there is there anything that sites can do to work with RankBrain to benefit from RankBrain so RankBrain even though they say it's the third most important um, one of the most third important factors that will affect your results Google hasn't told us what the first ones are the first two ones are we sneaky so and they won't they haven't they they just don't we still think it's links and the other one is just words because that's what we mm-hmm. humans use and links and words go well together as well so I think what we're going to be seeing more of is not that rank is going to necessarily affect your search results but it's just going to be honing those search results to be a bit better. You and I don't need to do anything different if we're doing things by the guidelines. Mm -hmm. It's rank brain's job to find the right information. So if you're targeting a specific audience and you're trying to communicate and you know how they speak and, and, and what they like, you'll be rewarded for doing that sort of work. Rank brain will just work with you in that sense rather than against you. Okay, I'm looking forward to what part two of this <laughs> conversation is going to be when they finally like release some specs on what this is and well, yeah, what I mean, we can do. It's, I mean, the, I think maybe they won't if they're keeping the number one and the number two factors a secret. Maybe they'll never explain what this is. Just, do we well, have like three, four, five? I just, I just, I mean, she said they won't release the first two. <laughs> yeah, so just, what are the other it's ones? It's just odd. They went to Bloomberg 
and they said, hey, we're going to do this big press release to you, interview us, we've got this thing called Rank Brain. So they pushed it out to the world on this big news platform, and then they're like, we're not going to tell you <laughs> everything. And it's because I don't think they fully know. It's constantly a work in development. So it's frustrating because we're trying to... Well, they don't have enough data to see if it's working or not, so why... Well, uh, to Kelly's point, like, what can we do to make our web pages better so Rank Brain appreciates what we do? But then Google, are would, we... say, Google would say, "Don't game the system and do what's uh, exactly. right for Exactly, and that's where you're, uh, you know, we're just gonna be running in circles. Uh-huh. Right. All right, Bridget, you're up. Give right. us, give us what you got. All right, I have an article from the New York Times. This is actually published last week, and this article kind of circulated here at Tower for a little bit. Um, it's titled "Moneyball for Book Publishers: A Detailed Look at How We Read." Love Moneyball the movie. Yeah, so the Moneyball reference is to the book by Michael Lewis um, about um, Billy Bean, who used analytics to transform baseball. And so here it's discussing a guy named Andrew Romberg, who is the founder of a company called Jelly Books um, in London. And he works with publishers um, to use analytics to see um, how readers are reading books um, as far as like maybe making it to the first chapter all the way to the end. And so, um, and then those book publishers actually turn around and decide if they're going to market it based on that data. Right, exactly. Which is where it becomes kind of, uh, I don't want to say sketchy, but you know, you're using a very small, isolated group group to determine whether the book is good mm-hmm. or not. They said that they use like vid- Nielsen on like when Nielsen used to be really cool yeah. to like gauge. Television yeah. shows. Yeah. yeah. It's like groups between two and 600 people. Um, but they give them a free ebook kind of to entice them to read the book mm-hmm. and say, hey, we'll give it to you for free. And then instead of asking them to do a review, they say, hey, click on this link. And then that link helps them to track how far they're getting into the book. And it's kind of like similar to the Amazon and Apple way of um, tracking. And um, it's kind of similar to how we use Google Analytics to track um, reports and website traffic, bounce rates, click-through rates in the marketing world. Tracking what people are doing on the website. And you know what else it also kind of reminded me of is like the heat maps mm. or the scroll, like to f- see where people's eyes are hitting on websites. Um, and then you get these, you almost get these like, blueprints of your web page and it kind of uses this like infrared like like or infrared technology and it will show you like the most concentration of views are on your navigation and maybe like the first paragraph it's always the top left every single Mm -hmm. time it's always like seriously dark red and it starts fading down as you go like bottom right it starts like fading out the logo is always in the top left. You gotta <laughs> think that somewhere down phone the numbers, line, yes. they're gonna have like a Google Analytics on every ebook, and then because right now everything's proprietary, like Barnes and Noble has theirs, mm-hmm. and Apple has theirs, and right now it's like you know who's gonna own it. But if there was like a, Go- I mean, that be you would think that would be good for the reader. It's like okay, a majority of these people are finishing the book, you know, fifty percent finished it. So I'll buy it too. The conversation that we had internally is, you know, there's a lot of books out there that are very 
they're not for everyone. They're for a very like niche market. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're giving this to a group of like two to 600 people who, you know, could care less about this, you know, very particular subject. And yeah. I mean, and if you grants- gave me a political book, I, I wouldn't even right. open it, you know? You know, I thought one stat that was really fascinating, and I'm surprised I remember this, but it's like half of all like self-help books go unfinished. It's like yeah. people just don't read them. Yeah, I can like, see that. They're very hard that's... to read. Like I've, and I, I don't even know that they're self-help books, but it's more like books for like... Inspiration. Not, yeah, not even that. It's just, you know, like um, like a parenting book or, you know, a book on something like that. And it's, I'm just like, oh my God, I'm so bored. Like I can't even, <laughs> I feel like there's something helpful in there, but I can't. I would just I can't go get to content, to it. see my chapter I want to read, read that, and then I don't, yeah, I don't read the whole thing. That's right. You could just do that right in Barnes mm-hmm. & Noble. I'm oh, sorry, Barnes & Noble. Not that we just read your stuff. <laughs> don't run. Don't read. We also buy coffee. <laughs> right. Which is probably overpriced yeah. and you're getting our money anyway. Um, okay. Anything more to add on that? But no, like you said, um, it's a great way for um, marketers to kind of plan out how they, like, um, one of the European publishers noticed that they paid a lot of money for um, one book and only a very small portion of people actually finished the book. So, you know, that's how they use this analytics to go forward. And knowledge is power. If we can, if we can glean and understand how users are using the, the products, the services, the websites, the I mean, the books in this case, we can probably present better things. I mean, I'm just thinking about from a web design point of view, if we could see, you know, get several websites, understand where people tend to click or hover or where they are looking for information, we could create websites that are tailored specifically for that type of need, generally speaking. Or maybe it's because we've taught users to look that way. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean... We read left to right, you know. You know, China they read the other way. I wonder if they're designing it in a different style or fashion. I mean, you could argue that website designs have just become so repetitive. Yeah. You know, logos in the top left, navigation across the top. I mean, it's because that's the way people. Uh-huh. You're following a convention that people expect, like and you don't want to reteach your your user when you get to the website. Yeah, so. you don't want them to have to like. But it also becomes boring. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's true. I outlaw you from talking about material design for the third podcast in a row. I, I feel not, like that's where you were going. I'm not talking about material design anymore. <laughs> what is material no, design? No, don't ask. Go back. Episodes three and four. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Internal link. Actually, I don't, it wasn't me who talked about it. I talked about it in the third. I think Ashley yeah. talked about it in the fourth. But you jumped on that train. You oh, were quick. That's, that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> you were quick. I was to high and mighty on, on it. that train. Mike um, Mattis, what's your topic? Basically, I, kind of following on, you know, yours and Shaw's is just about data. Um, data seems to be like the big thing in all our meetings and how websites become more powerful with it. Um, you know, integrations... It's kind of funny because you mentioned stuff that we talked about before. I'm sure we talked about this in other ones, but um, specifically, um, the things that have been coming to light lately are CRMs, which are client relationship managers, different than... Is that like WordPress? No, it's no. not. 
WordPress? Is this no WordPress? Lo- loaded question. Right. <laughs> Thanks for the softball, Kelly. Um, WordPress is a CMS, which is a content management system. A client. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> a client relationship manager is basically a way to plug in the people who go to your website, or it could be prospects as well. Um, there's a lot of different um, uses for a CRM, but I mean, all the stuff I've been reading talk about like when people come to you, uh, when they call you or do anything um, that are you know they turn into a prospect. Um, they kind of wind up in your email and they kind of just swirl around there. Mm-hmm. And you pretty much will can keep the top 10, because this is how I do it. Um, I can keep the top 10 in my mind and then, you know, as, as things progress, um, either they become a client or they just drop off. But with this thing, um, it plugs into your website and you can keep track of it separately. So when these clients or, or these prospects come in, you can usher them into different areas. You can put them in different groups. Um, you can even use the data in those um, prospects that they give you and actually funnel it back into the website for whatever, you know, um, reason you need. Like we were talking to somebody um, last week, um, and they're going to use um, uh, data to actually publish content on the website, data onto the website, onto the home page specifically, um, like things that they do. So as they get more business those numbers change and that data is funneled back into the website. Hmm. So, you know, it's all these integrations that, like this morning we were talking about how uh, it was an e-commerce site and how to get um, uh, the e-commerce site to talk to QuickBooks, you know, so it's automated. So not only is, like a CRM is basically, you know, data into a website, but something like, um, you know, like a QuickBook export has the website exports that data um but getting back to the crm very easy to get off this topic <laughs> but the crm you know and we kind of talked about marketing automation before mm-hmm. um that's what it reminds me of listening to you talk it does mm-hmm. because what happens is is when somebody takes you know interacts with your website that data goes into the crm and the crm can basically usher them through the sales process automatically through emails. The CRM like recognizes their IP when it they does. come back. It does, and you can also do um, cross tracking, um, like the WHOIS database, mm-hmm. and you can find out like a certain business inside Lancaster was on our website. It can contri- it can try to marry the two inside the CRM. Mm-hmm. See, that also is it's like we know who we want to do business with. You can yeah. put all that stuff into the CRM, and just on happenstance that they kind of wander into your website, you'll know, you know, and then it can kind of kick off the whole, you know, email thing again. But, you know, as we keep, you know, becoming a very connected world, having our websites as a core piece where we kind of put all these other pieces Mm -hmm. around it to support it, um, you know, everybody says like, oh, I want a cool website that, you know, it isn't just a brochure. Well, this CRM is really where it starts. Um, and then you can start branching off into all these other things. Weren't you um, telling us a couple months ago that you were visiting a website and they ended up contacting you yes. and said, hey. That's the creepy part of marketing automation. Yes. I now, they were a marketing automation company. Okay. So they yeah. were super well, involved. Yeah. <laughs> Very efficient. So, um, 
Yeah, we could call them out and know who you are. You have to be cool about it. You have to be. Because they call call here on a regular basis. Don't be a creeper. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so that's kind of the CRM. I mean, there's lots of other things that you could kind of go into it, but, um, I'm going to have a whole seminar on it, frankly. But, so, for next time, what are we going to do next time? What are we going to do next time? Mike has to peace out on one of these. Mike's on every one of these. But things. you're the only one who knows how to work the machine. All I need to do is come in here and hit the record button. Boom, done. Maybe next time it's a um, you Old know girls. what you don't like about your boss podcast. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Okay, actually, this Old is last time we did with Kelly. Mike. <laughs> and Kelly's out. <laughs> Kelly, you're done. Kelly's mic just went off. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, we actually met this afternoon and we were plotting out our content for. Um, for April. And April is all about, um, you know, spring is coming and how you can refresh things and toss out things you don't need. Um, so it's going to be a lot of, um, you know, we talked about... Um, we should go on social media and ask people what they want to hear uh, well, about. It's a good idea. Hashtag mm-hmm. tower after hours. Yeah. Hashtag go ask Maddie. <laughs> No, I think so Maddie I might think be next. Maddie hasn't been on one of these. The, the last time Maddie was on here, it was like her first day, and I think all we did was tell her to look up things on Google. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> We're like, Maddie, look that that's up on right. Google. Uh, sorry, um, sorry, Maddie. Yeah, but so April is a lot about, um, you know, misconceptions about internet marketing that you can get rid of or how you can, you know, make your internet marketing, marketing fresh and clean again. So a lot of like... Like spring cleaning. Exactly. That is our theme. So you nailed it right on the head. So that's what we will have a lot of um, in April. Okay. Sounds good. Well, we're going to sign off. Everybody say goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.